Welcome to the Financial Fun Podcast with your host, Tammy Johnston. This is where Tammy talks with business owner parents and grandparents about the interesting and important subject of money. We promise this to be an interesting and open discussion, as that's how we learn best. And now, here's your host, author of the Financial Foundations. Financial Foundations is a series of books to teach kids about money, goal setting, and living a balanced life. Find out more at financialfund.ca. Here's Tammy Johnston. First things first, I would like to thank all of my listeners that have subscribed and reviewed my podcast and invite you to subscribe and review if you haven't yet. I appreciate you helping us to get the word out and making financial literacy a safe and welcoming subject for kids and adults. Second, please check out my podcast website, financialfund.ca, where you will be able to access past shows, find out more about me and our guests, as well as purchase the beautifully illustrated Financial Foundations books that teach kids about money in a fun, healthy, and holistic way. Hello once again, and thank you for joining us for the Financial Fund Podcast. Today our guest is the exciting and vibrant John Lanza. Thank you for joining us, John. Thank you, Tammy. Thanks for having me on. So, John, what is your passion? What has you excited? <laughs> well, it is kids and money, and uh, we've been doing this. My my wife and I created a, a program called the Money Mammals a few years ago and uh, didn't realize that it would become this all-consuming thing, because we really, at the original thought was, how do we raise our now 15-year-old when she was six months old? How do we raise her to be money smart? And we created the Money Mammals, which is a DVD, gets kids excited, and that started uh, this this path that I'm currently on. That's very exciting. Kids definitely need to learn about money. We don't want to uh, think it's the most important thing in life, but try living without it. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I, I love having conversation. This is an exciting conversation because I'm speaking with someone who knows a lot about it and uh, is equally passionate. So this should be fun. Yes, it will be very fun. And so what is your family situation? So I have my wife and I have two daughters, uh, 15 and 13. And uh, that's that is a um, interesting uh, <laughs> when they get to be teenagers. Everybody tells you it's it's crazy and it does. They're great kids, but you know, they're, they're teenage girls. And, um, you know, we, so we, we live down here in Southern California and, uh, and my particular focus is on how to raise them and help other families raise money smart kids. So like all teenagers, they're very fluent in, uh, eye roll. <laughs> the eye rolls never end. In fact, it's just a matter of you know they're listening if you have a, a minimal number of eye rolls. Once you have, yeah, once you get past three, then they're just totally not paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's pre- that's pretty much how you go. They just, it's like, okay, I'm not going to say anything, but at least you know that you're getting through because you are getting some reaction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said it from the start. I said I am not and never will be prepared for what is going to happen when these kids. Uh, cross the Rubicon and become teenagers, and uh, lo and behold, I was right <laughs> about something. <laughs> well, every every now and then you, you you keep rolling the dice, you are gonna hit one. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Every every squirrel finds a nut at some point. Yes, and sometimes it's a nut they had buried and just completely forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you you started having the idea of teaching your your daughter about money when she was six months old. 
Well, yeah, basically my wife and I were having a conversation and we were talking about, you know, because that's, it becomes all consuming once you have kids. And we were talking about what we wanted for our, at that point, kid and then eventually kids. Mm -hmm. And we knew we wanted to raise them to be money smart. And, and that kind of led us to think about, look into this and see, you know, what's out there. And there really wasn't anything out there. And we thought to ourselves, you know, if we can get them excited about money from a young age, that seems like it made sense. And we did some kind of looking into it, and it did make sense. There is, uh, there's actually now kind of more research that suggests strongly that you need to start this process early. And then just kind of commonsensically, you look at it and you realize that kids from such a young age, I mean, frankly, even by six months, are being exposed to the spend message. And we thought, We've got to expose them to something else. And that's that's kind of where we came up with the Money Mammals mantra, which is we'll share and save and spend smart too, sharing being charitable giving. Well, I just you're preaching to the choir here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> but most parents like they, they, they think about everything but teaching their kids about money, especially when they're so young. So what what made you and your wife start having that conversation? Because most of them are thinking about, yes, we want to teach them manners and self-esteem and, and independence and stuff. But very few people ever think about money until typically the kids are the ones, the age that we have them now when they're teenagers. And they're they're possibly getting jobs and they want to be getting this and buying that because the message that they get from every aspect of society is spend, consume, spend, consume. You know, it's a good question. I'm really not totally sure why we went there, but my thought on it is that I looked at us, and both of us come from pretty frugal families. My dad is a banker, ah. and yet, yeah, but 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 that's but it's actually you. So you would think, and my, my dad is, and both our parents, uh, both our sets of parents were very frugal. But there wasn't an active teaching on our side about money. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember my dad setting up an allowance, but it didn't really have any why behind it. So it kind of came and went. Uh, and again, my, my parents are terrific. So this is not, this is just, just with regard to this, mm -hmm. the teaching money smarts and they set a good example. But I, my, my wife ended up as a, just a natural saver. I was much more of a natural spender and it took me a lot longer and it was a much tougher road to get my kind of money brain better set. And even today, I still have to tell myself, like, you know, that rush you get from a purchase is going to go away. And that really, that comes with almost 50 years of <laughs> making not so great decisions to finally realize that that that, that happens. And I think that's, if there's, if there's one big lesson I, I hope my kids learn is that, you know, the rush you get from any purchase is incredibly fleeting. And if that's, that's something that if we can do that as parents and teach our kids that it'll go a long way. But it was that different difference of personalities. My wife, she is the aunt that used to give savings bonds back when people used to give savings bonds, you know, talk about, talk about eye rolls from her nieces and nephews. Yeah. Until they hit their adult years and go, oh, this is the best present ever. Right. That's exactly it. And they look back like, oh, this is wonderful. She also bought her first car in cash, didn't take on any debt when she was 24. I, on the other hand, took on debt to buy my first computer when I got out here to Southern California. So, you know, and we, you know, we want, and, and there are different books that talk about the different money personalities and they exist. They're real and different people identify them differently. Mm -hmm. But what we wanted to do was figure out how can we help our kids uh, by starting a conversation early. And, and that we kind of worked into the, the importance of 
doing that. And, and I think that's really at the heart of all of it. I think you would agree. It's like opening up the conversation from a very early point to talk about something other than those messages to spend. And then when you spend to spend smart is really important. Oh, completely. Like we need to get over the taboo of talking about money because that's the only way that we learn and grow is by lifting up the curtains and seeing that, you know what, it's not all that scary. And by getting the information so that they can make better and informed decisions rather than just bumping about in life financially like the ball in the pinball machine. <laughs> You're right. And and what we want to all end up being is kind of money empowered. And that's different for everybody. You know, it's kind of identifying, you know, what 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 will make you wealthy. And that's, again, going to be different for everybody. That's not necessarily a, a, a monetary thing. Uh, but but a mon- but mon- but money certainly plays a part in it. Uh, understanding kind of what what wealth is to you, but money empowerment is the idea that you really just want to have control of money. You don't want to let money have control of you. And I think the key to that is starting these conversations early, so that you can, like you said, break down those taboos, have the conversation, and then more important than just the talking is set up an action plan. You know, we talk about an allowance to do that, so that kids get practice with money so that they feel comfortable with it, particularly so that they have some experience with it when they start then actually making their own money, they're comfortable making smart money choices. Yeah, because they need they need to know how it works and starting from a very young age. So what are some of the lessons that you, you started teaching your daughters when they were much younger? Well, you know, what we do is we set up like a, a basic allowance and I'll, I'll kind of just give you a quickly how we set that up. And that is, so we'll have three jars. We have a share, a save and a spend smart jar. And then, for example, our five year old would get five dollars and we would require that one dollar go in the share jar. So that's kind of saying this is something that's valuable to us. We think it's valuable to you, which is giving back. That's money you can give back. We put one dollar in the save jar. That's kind of like paying yourself first. And so you put that money in there and then they have $3. They can do whatever they want with it. So they put it, say, in the spend or they put it in the save and the share. But then the first thing we did really was get them to save for a short term goal. And the first thing, as an example, is uh, my daughter bought a scooter. She actually bought a Razor scooter. She still uses a scooter. She's 15 and yeah. she still uses that thing. It's a little worse for wear, but it's it's held on pretty well. It's, it's way faster than walking. It's easier to fold up and deal with than a bike. All the power to her. Good right, exactly. Good investment. Right. It's, it's an easy thing to save for. It was $24. It didn't take her that long. And that's that's a really powerful thing for parents to do. And I, I know you've talked about this as, as well as the importance of saving for goals because One, it's something that they want, so they're going to really kind of focus their money and attention on that. Two, it's better than this idea of saving for a rainy day, because that's kind of abstract, way abstract for a five-year-old. And it's quite negative if you stop and think about it. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, uh, it is, it is not, it's, I mean, what five-year-old is going to be thinking that long term? I mean, no five-year-old does. It's, it's virtually impossible developmentally for them, for them to think that that way. And, and I, I agree with you. And so you just want to have them saving for a goal that's going to get them somewhere. Have, learn delayed gratification. Yeah, it's, it's a shorter term, but that's going to be meaningful to them. And it teaches them, not only does it teach them about saving money, but it also teaches them about setting goals and how powerful that can be. Well, yes, and one of the things that I find is is so much of a problem with a lot of parents dealing with younger kids because they're so inundated with all the marketing messages for 
for toys and candy and all this stuff that kids impulsively want something. And then when they get it, they might play with it for a day or they, and then, and then it's gone. They don't care about it anymore. And I'm going, what a complete waste of your money. If you're not going to be doing it where your daughter who invested in her scooter is still using it. How many years later? (laughs) But let me be clear. They've made a lot of, of those purchases that now kind of become reference points, which are not so good purchases, right? Yeah, but that's called being human. <laughs> that's called being human, and it, and it's good as uh, that's where we come in as parents, and we can kind of use those reference points to say, yeah, you know those roller skates that you bought that you had to have that you used once. Yep. Maybe that wasn't necessarily the best decision, and also I will tell them about things that <laughs> I, I'm very, you know, I, they know that I I have made plenty of really poor money decisions. We're trying to front load their poor money decisions so that they make less consequential poor money decisions <laughs> when they're older. And 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 I and I love that the fact that you're that you're open and willing to admit the mistakes that you've made because like I said we've all all made them and as I tell people in life and business and all this I would rather learn from somebody else's mistakes because I don't have the time <laughs> or the money to make all of them myself. But so many yeah. parents are so ashamed and all this stuff and they think that they have to show put themselves as this this perfect shining example that they don't get to be real with their kids, which is where they really learn. Totally, totally agree. And you know what? I think this is one of the real wonderful opportunities with teaching your kids about money is that you have to embrace, you're talking about this money shame. Everybody's got it. Everybody's, everybody has attitudes towards money that they need to address, myself included. And I've found that it has been an enlightening experience to go through the process of addressing my own financial foibles as I've been trying to work with them and help them become money smart. And so what are what are some of the lessons and questions that they're asking now being 13 and 15 and having grown up in a financially healthy household? <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the question of, of investing comes up, right? And uh, speaking of being very upfront, I'll, I'll tell them and say, I'm not, I'm, I'm not an expert investor. You know, I, I remember buying Apple at 60 and thinking I was a genius when I sold it for 180. And I think it's worth, you know, an order of magnitude more uh, at this point. And so and I explained that to them. I said, you know, that that just that's that's kind of why I, I personally have gotten out of stocks and I have some, I have money in index funds, um, which, you know, that's that's corroborated. That idea is corroborated by Warren Buffett, who said that, you know, as soon as he passes away, He's moving all of his investments um, into for his wife and for uh, for his kids into index funds because he knows that most people, like most, like 99.9% of people, cannot beat the market. But it doesn't mean that kids shouldn't experiment with stocks. And people can be – our kids are starting to invest in stocks. And they if they are willing to put the time in, that might be a fruitful way to go. Or they may realize that they just want to be index fund investors. And then we – we have we happen to own a duplex that so we rent out the front half, so they understand uh, that that real estate investing can be a very fruitful. I mean, obviously in Southern California, it can be very fruitful now, <laughs> but it's but but it's it's a you know on the law in the long term, the thing we want to get across to them, and we've talked to them about it a lot. In the long term, you're going to do okay. It's the short term that is that's difficult but then you it, you know it open up opens up conversations well i i have people ask me all the time like what's the best way to make money something that you're actually interested in and care about like i've got clients that are that know way more about stocks than i do because they're excited about it and i've got 
clients that are big into real estate and do very well with it because they love it. And I've seen way too many people lose their shirts over it for various reasons. Tenants and toilets being the top two. (laughs) (laughs) But the big thing is like, yes, I'm a big fan of, like I said, index funds, or I do a lot of seg funds and stuff up here for the simple fact that if you don't have the time and interest to get into it, or you think you're going to be timing the market and doing all this stuff, you're going to lose. You're right. going to lose. But the fact that they're asking the questions, it's still quite a young age is quite amazing. Well, you know, the, the exposure, they, when they're 15 and 13, they're starting to really think about what, what they can do with their money to, to empower them. And they start, you know, they start to hear about these things in school. They start to, they start their, some of their friends will start to, uh, to talk about it. So it kind of naturally happens. And, uh, it's not, it's, it, you just look for those opportunities when the opportunity comes up. Just, I think the key thing though is that even if you're not a world class investor, I'm not a world class investor, you still have to have the conversation and you need to know enough. And it's not hard to know enough about how investing works to be able to have at least a starter conversation with them. Well, and the thing is, by having the conversations, even when you're going, you know, I'm not a world class investor, but it gets them going and they can, there's so many amazing resources where they can start reading and, and listening to podcasts and different things like that. So they could start learning about it and getting deeper into things. It's not going, no, I don't know anything about it. So we're not going to talk about it. That's exactly right. And it's and it's important for you to not, you know, put on airs and say, you know, that you know more than you do. Just just know the basics. You know, I mean, <laughs> worst comes to worst, you find something on YouTube that'll help explain it, and there's plenty of that that material out there, and then give them the opportunity. That's the advantage of having an allowance set up for them is that then they will have some money if they're not yet working, they'll have some money that they can start to uh, to play with that in the in the market. One of the things that we do is we currently will match any money that they want to invest. So if they want to make a $50 investment, we'll match $50. So how, how do you structure that with them being minors? Well, you can use, there's a, there's a program called Stockpile, uh, and I, I we're not affiliated with mm-hmm. them in any way, uh, but they let you buy fractional shares and you can set up accounts for them in and they're they're kind of they're in my account. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And so, but but I will say the first one I, I use my brokerage for my daughter's first uh, stock purchase. So she bought um, she bought a stock, and that she just I just set it up in my account. I purchased it, and then we just kind of track it. I mean, she's had an amazing run, so she thinks you know she's she's super excited about it. And we've gone over everything. We say you know here's what you would make if you sold it today. Wait at least a year, so you're paying long-term uh, gains rather than short-term. Um, and she's crossed that path. Um, she still hasn't sold it, and which is probably a good thing right now. And but we talk about the risks of holding on to it. We also talk about that you know you when you sell it, you're also going to have to deduct the commission fees. So she has a good sense of what she's getting out of that. Of course, since it's made a run, she's like, oh, I should have just invested so much more in that. I'm like. Yep, that's what we all feel when that happens. But there is a tremendous risk, uh, the downside. So. Yeah, it, it very well could be. One one of the things that I've I've read about if you're going to be doing stocks is when it starts to go up, get your money out that you put in, and then anything that happens, it's either a hundred percent pure profit because you've gotten your money out and you put it into something else, and then if it if it does turn and goes the other way, you still got your money out. 
Yeah. And there's, you know, there's lots of different philosophies on that. And, uh, she, you know, she, she's going to just, she's monitoring it. And I said, you know, once that, that starts to drop 15% from the high, then you should start thinking about selling it. But, you know, that's something I think the, the most important point for her here is to see that how the market kind of works. Up, and, down, and no logic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. And, and talk to her about how most people are not going to be able to, going to be able to pick stocks effectively uh, in the long term. That doesn't mean that you can't, but it, it is most people don't. And so you just have to recognize how it works. And then you have to decide how you want to be, what kind of investor you want to be. And then the other thing that the matching is, is a good thing to use kind of for any behavior, behavior you want to incent. So I was saying we match our stocks, but we also do matching for books. So if they, we've done that since they were very young kids. So if they wanted to buy a book, we basically doubled their buying power by saying, you know, if you want to buy a $10 book, we'll pay $5 of that. Oh, and, excellent. Uh, because that's something we want to incentivize. So that's another way you can use an allowance in your money system to kind of push the values that you want for your kids. Oh, I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of that one. My, my daughter has, gets an allowance too, and we use a six jar system, and one of her jars is education. Mm. So she gets to buy certain books, but then I also buy her, um, four books a year. So, uh, Christmas, her birthday, which is in March, summer, and back to school. So I've been building her success library since seventh grade. <laughs> That's fantastic. Are you, now you say success library, so do you buy her kind of books in the self help range oh, as very well? Much so. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Very much so. And then and then how she earns her allowance is she has to read twelve books a year that mom yeah. lists and I get yeah. a book report. <laughs> <laughs> I that's fantastic. You know, it's funny, I bought my oldest daughter who's a little bit more high strung. Uh, I read a book called The Daily Stoic every day by Ryan Holiday. So it's just it's just kind of meditations and, uh, you know, I, she, she doesn't read it as often as I do, but it was, I thought it was a nice, there's, there's something really powerful about giving your kids books that are meaningful to you. So I, I love what you're doing. So to wrap up, if you wanted to make sure that your, your daughters get three vital messages about money, what would be your three messages? I think the three core money smart skills, and that is distinguishing between needs and wants, um, making sure to make smart money choices. And then that first one we talked about, which is saving for goals and that the system that we've got set up helps teach them that. And uh, I think they'll be well, well on their way. Well, those are wonderful messages. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to be on the podcast. Hey, Tammy, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, you have a good day. Thanks. Before we leave each other, I would ask all of you listening to please subscribe to and rate my podcast. A review would be most appreciated and feedback is always welcome. Whether it be a comment, future topic suggestions, and or questions you or your kids would like to have answered in the Ask Tammy column on the financialfund.ca website. Please feel free to check me out on Facebook at Financial Foundation's Children's Books, on Twitter at Financial Fun, and Instagram at Financial.Fun. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Financial Fun Podcast. Join Tammy Johnston again next week. For more information, please visit financialfund.ca.